Well, good morning, church. Uh, it is so great to be with you guys. If this is your first time tuning in with us online, I want to say a special welcome. Uh, my name is Sam Newman. Along with my wife, we serve over here in Riverside on staff. And uh, the reason I'm introducing myself is because I know we are doing a, a regional series right now with our Desert Cities Church and our uh, Rancho Cucamonga Church. So I just want to say a special hello. I hope you are all doing well uh, this is definitely an interesting time for all of us. Uh, people keep asking me, what's it like preaching to a camera? Or how are you doing with the whole online service thing? And I don't like it too much. And you think, uh, you know, the spiritual minister wouldn't like it because, man, I want to connect with people and I want to see faces. And, and yeah, totally, I want that stuff. I say the hardest part is when I tell a joke, I don't get a response I don't get a laugh. I don't get, I don't see anybody. I, it, I feel like it hurts my confidence a little bit. So I gotta talk to our editors about maybe putting a laugh track or two, uh, just to make me feel a little bit better after these times. But, uh, no, in all seriousness, it's great to be able to even do this. Um, I know there's a lot of different barriers and, and to meeting together. So to even just be able to worship together once a week, I think is still an incredible blessing. Um, just a little life update for those of you I don't see on a regular basis. Sylvia and I are pregnant. Well, well Sylvia's pregnant. She's doing all the work. <laughs> uh, but I'm so proud of her and, and we're so excited to meet our son uh, soon. She's five months pregnant. I feel like we just announced our pregnancy before we went um, on this whole quarantine thing. And, and now it's, wow, we're, we're four months away. It's coming so fast. So we're expecting our baby boy here uh, this September and we definitely, definitely, definitely are going to need just parenting books um, and advice and all that good stuff. I know I'm excited to be a dad and also freaked out at the same time. Um, but I know I, I have a ton of great examples in the church to follow. Um, so we're definitely excited. Uh, today we're continuing our series entitled Peace Under Pressure. And we're, we've been studying out the book of Philippians and looking at how Paul has been guiding and advising the church uh, during a time of chaos to find peace under pressure. You know, I might have told this story in Riverside, but I'm go ahead and tell it again. Uh, before all this quarantine stuff, uh, you know, I, I, I made the decision of, Sam, you got to work out regularly, okay? You're, you know, you're going to be a dad soon. You don't got to be a dad with a dad bot, amen? Right? So I, was, I wanted to work on that. And um, so I started going to the gym regularly. I started lifting weights. And I haven't lifted weights since high school. And I don't know if you can tell, but I am in no way, shape, or form a gym rat. And so uh, it was all new to me. But I noticed myself starting to get stronger, which was encouraging. And um, I, I go into the gym one day and I, and I go to this exercise called the bench press. And for those of you who don't know what it is, it's you put all this weight on a bar and you lay it across your chest and you're pressing it up and down uh, to work out your chest. And, uh, and, and I go in there, I'm, I'm pretty tired and fatigued already and I don't really think all that clear when I'm already tired. And so um, I put some weight on the bar and as I go to do the exercise, I, I notice that I miscalculated the weight that I should be lifting. And I looked at it and I thought to myself, you know what, Sam, this is the day. This is the day you make a big jump in your efforts. You're a young guy. You're, you're getting stronger. You can totally do this. <laughs> and uh, that's, that, that's where everything went wrong from there. Um, I get under the bar. I take a few deep breaths. I push the weight up 
And as I begin to bring it down, I quickly realized that this was a huge, huge mistake. I let the weight hit my chest and I realized this is not going back up. There's no way on God's green earth that I'm going to be able to lift this amount of weight back up. I, I severely miscalculated how much weight I can lift. And so I begin to struggle. Uh, in, 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 in all my shame and glory at the same time. I'm, my legs are flailing in the air. I'm trying to like lift it up and slide under the weight real quick. At one point I was reaching to the left and, and even to the right to try to knock these weights off the side so maybe I can lift up some of the weight. Um, it was really, it was one of the most embarrassing things I've ever experienced. Uh, luckily, as I was gasping for air, all, all this weight being crushed on my chest, there was a man working out next to me that quickly rushed over, saw my struggle, and helped me lift up this weight. And, uh, you know, when I got up, uh, I was breathing very heavily, and he looks at me, he goes, are you okay? And I looked at him, and I said, I'm good, it just, you know, it slipped. Thanks, thank, thank you very much. And I walked away, and, and needless to say, I haven't worked out at that time at that gym in a very long time in fear of seeing uh, that man. Uh, but I thought I could do it. I thought I could lift that amount of weight. And uh, you can call it pride or arrogance, and you're probably right in calling it that. But But the point is, at one point, I had way too much confidence in my ability, in my strength, in my flesh. And uh, it let me down in a very, very embarrassing fashion. You know, today we're going to focus on Philippians chapter 3, which is where I see Paul addressing the church about having no confidence in the flesh. Right, Paul is warning the church about all these influences of evil around them. And he even says in Philippians 3, verse 3, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by the Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. I think what Paul teaches here in Philippians chapter 3 is essential when looking for peace under pressure. Similarly to my, my weightlifting story, I think we can all stack a bunch of stuff on our life, right? Be it our, our parenting, uh, the stuff we got going deep down inside, our jobs, money problems. I mean, whatever it may be, we stack all these things and we put way too much trust, way too much confidence in our abilities, in, in our own wisdom, in our own understanding, in our own thinking, in our own flesh, and sometimes sooner rather than later, we end up getting crushed by all the things we, we thought we could handle. You know, I look at Paul and I believe that what he teaches in Philippians 3 is incredibly re relatable and relevant for us today. To rid yourself of confidence in your flesh and put all your confidence in Christ. And that's the title of my sermon today, Confidence in Christ. And today, as we study Philippians 3, I want to do something um, a little bit different where I want to ask or propose three questions about where your confidence lies. And, and the purpose behind me asking these questions throughout our time here this morning is for you to maybe dig or discern or understand where does my trust, my confidence really lie? And the purpose of these questions is, is to help kind of as an indicator for you to figure out of where that confidence really lies. Does it, does it lie in the flesh or in Christ? And so as we dig in the scriptures, please, I encourage you, reflect on these questions 
yourself. Now, I want to say something real quick. I've heard a lot of comments about service online. It's hard. It's hard to pay attention. Now, we as ministers, as preachers, we are trying to be as just animated as possible and keep your attention. But I know that YouTube video to my left in that column of your recently searched videos or your interest is is grabbing your attention or that Facebook notification or that Facebook marketplace symbol that, that, that is just calling your name to look for new patio furniture. Here's my encouragement for you today. Just take a deep breath and let's focus and hone in on God's word. Let's give him our our undivided attention as we lift our voices, as we sing songs, as we dig into the scriptures, as we pray, as we take communion. And let's remember that there are disciples, followers of Jesus Christ all around the world, lifting up God's name online this morning. And so we can ignore that Facebook video, that Facebook marketplace ad, whatever it may be, and we can focus in on God's word here this morning as we discover the path to peace under pressure. I'm going to go ahead and say a word of prayer and we'll jump right into our time here this morning. God, thank you so much for this time. I am grateful for technology, even though it's hard to preach to a camera. It is what it is, God. I just want to honor you by preaching your word. God, please speak through me this morning as we dive into Philippians 3, looking at Paul's direction on, on what it looks like to put confidence in Christ. God, we need confidence in Christ during this time when things are uncertain, things are changing. Maybe for some of us, things are being taken away and and there's hardship, there's different experiences going on right now. God, we need something to put all of our confidence in because we know things of the flesh are not stable and they don't last, but Christ does. Thank you for this time. Be with us here this morning. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. You know, right after Paul says to have no confidence in the flesh in verse 3, look what he says in verse 4. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. So so Paul says, don't have any confidence for in the flesh, but if anybody's going to have reasons to have confidence in the flesh, it's me. Now what he's referring to is the ability to attain salvation through the following of the law. Now Paul is not preaching, no, the rest of you can't gain salvation through the law, but I can. Now he's not so what he's saying, he, he's trying to illustrate to them if, if anybody has a chance at doing it, I'm the one who can do it. Not not preaching that it's a thing to do, right? He, he goes on and says, I was circumcised on the right day. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, straight from the tribe of Benjamin, right? A really pristine tribe in, in the Jewish community, right? I'm a Pharisee. And not only that, but I persecuted the church, right? He started saying that because he was like, I actually stood up for the teachings of our ancestors. And so Paul's saying, if anyone could dare rely on themselves to gain salvation, it would be me. But look at what he says, how he follows that up in verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. 
Paul is saying, everything I am on my own, anything I can attain on my own, anything I can achieve on my own is garbage compared to the worth it is to know Christ. So here's my first question for us here this morning. My first question to hopefully be an indicator or a guide to figuring out where your confidence lies. Are you ready? Do you view knowing Christ as the most valuable thing in your life? Do you view knowing Christ as the most valuable thing in your life? You know, sometimes I think we know or or logically, we know this right spiritual answer is to say Christ is the biggest reward, right? He's everything. And we know that whether you've been going to church for a long time, maybe you've been around it your whole life, whatever it may be, we, we logically know to say Christ is everything is the right thing to say. But if we were completely honest, maybe with ourselves or with each other, we, we'd see that we tend to place more value on getting a higher paycheck that we feel like we deserve, uh, accumulating real estate in this life, right? Saving for our 401k, making sure our life is set, right? Maybe a relationship. And we can put incredible value on, on these other things that have a lot to do with what we can control and what we can do ourselves. We can put a lot of value on our wisdom, Right, And as you look at who you are and all you have done in life, do you view that as garbage compared to this idea, this concept of knowing Christ? You know, I think an indicator, I think an indicator of where your confidence lies or that it lies in the flesh more, uh, more specifically is that when you place value in the things that you can do, achieve, and earn, on your own, be it your job, right, your kids, how you parent, your career achievements, skills you have, hobbies you enjoy, when those things interfere with your ability to truly connect and know Christ, you've placed your confidence in the flesh. But when you fix your eyes on, on the surpassing worth it is to know Christ, right? To walk like him, to talk like him, to think like him, to treat people like he treated them. When you do that, your confidence is in Christ. So here's the question again. Do you view knowing Christ as the most valuable thing in your life? You know, something I love about Paul is that his confidence was so deeply rooted in Christ, he was able to say things like this in verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now I'll tell you, Again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. You know, because Paul is, is so confident in Christ, right? He has the audacity to tell people, to preach to churches, Hey, follow my example as I follow Christ. Right, He follows up that sentence with, keep your eyes on people who live as we do. You know, it can be easy to look at our world, look at the different examples, public, 
public figures we may see on a day-to-day basis, look at the lifestyles they portray, and, and, and want to be like them. I know uh, we live in a world that's heavily, heavily reliant on social media, especially right now. And so there's all sorts of different lifestyles that are being posted on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram. I mean, you, you name it. You can, you can, live, you can look up a, a person who has a dog sanctuary as a home and you'll see mansions filled with dogs, which if that's your dream, amen, or, or maybe just lifestyle of, of cars and you see cars on punk cars in, in garages and whatever maybe you can you can see all these influencers, all these people out in this world. It can be easy to head in the direction of man, I want to live like that. I want what they have. I want to put my confidence, my trust in in all the things they did in order to get to the place where they're at right now, right? My generation is obsessed by the idea that if you buy a camera and just record a bunch of dumb, weird things with your friends, you can get famous and make a living off of literally doing nothing but making videos with your friends, right? I even found myself looking up on YouTube earlier, uh, different vlogs of, of young people doing just crazy things with their friends, making millions of dollars for it and go, huh, I wouldn't mind living like that. Right, And so uh, Paul is looking at, at the influences around him, the influencers of the church's time, and he's looking at the church, he's going, hey, their destiny is destruction, right? They, it's so true, right? If you think about it, I mean, everything can be taken within the snap of a finger. But yet we, we look at these lifestyles of the things people have and, and how they put their confidence in certain things in their life. And we can sometimes want that more than we want our relationship with God. Right? I mean, if, if you really think about it, and, and if time was an indicator of what you were truly passionate about, what are you truly being influenced by right now? Is it other people's lives and the examples they, they put before you? Or is it the confidence that you put in the life of Christ? You know, I, I think for me personally, it's very easy to really get sucked into the trap of the world, thinking, man, if I, if I live differently, if I, if I focused, if I put my confidence in different skills or, or ways of living, I can, I can end up like that person, right? Or I can live a life of the people I see on YouTube or, or whatever it may be. And I, I adhere to Paul's words pretty seriously that their destiny is destruction. I feel like if I've learned anything in this quarantine is, Things in this world, in this life, can change in the blink of an eye. And before you know it, we, 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 we heard the news that there was some outbreak some, in some foreign country. And then the next thing I know, we're being asked to stay at home, keep your masks on. People are losing jobs. There's talk of the economy tanking. There's, there's protests everywhere. I mean, if anything, that should show us that nothing in this world is permanent. In fact, it could all just disappear tomorrow. And so to put our confidence in, in, especially in the example and the influence of people whose lives we want to be like, that is not Christ, please hear their destiny is destruction. And so here's my second question. Do you keep your eyes on those whose confidence is in Christ? In other words, is your focus, is your admiration on people whose goal in life is to be Christ-like? Right? Do you have examples of people in your life who Christ is their complete and utter confidence? Do they inspire you? Do they motivate you? If you don't, chances are a majority of your confidence 
is in the flesh. But when you focus on people who you can imitate to be like them as they are trying to be like Christ, that will bring you to a long-lasting confidence in Christ. I'm so grateful for our family here in the IE. There's so many examples, so many influences of men and women whose life mission, whose complete focus, even in time of hardship and trial, is to be like Christ. Do you have those people in your life? Are those the people that inspire you? Or maybe your, your trust, your confidence is in the influencers of this world. Paul is warning the church, you don't want the destiny of the, of the influencers of the flesh, those who, who put their confidence in the flesh. And so, again, I'll ask that question, do you keep your eyes on those whose confidence is in, is in Christ? I want to close with one more question uh, that I believe will help us identify where our confidence lies. You know, as Paul is encouraging the church to follow his example and warning them of the, the destiny of those who, whose confidence is in the world, whose confidence is in the flesh, he says this in verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. You know, I love the reminder from Paul that our citizenship is in heaven, right? We're fully involved in this world, but we're not from here. And I think as Christians, we should think and act completely different than the rest of the rest of the world, right? Where there's panic, we should bring peace. Where there's pain, we should bring hope. And where there's evil, we should be a light and a representation of Christ. And we should live this way until our Savior returns. Again, what it says in verse 21, our Savior Jesus, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So here is my third and final question as an indicator, as a guide to determine where your confidence really lies. Here's the question. As we wait for Jesus, do you trust that everything is under his control? Do you trust that Jesus is in control of everything as our as our world is in the midst of pandemic and chaos do you believe it's in his control as you face trial and hardship do you believe he is in control as you encounter things that you've never encountered before as you deal with new situations new life circumstances do you believe that Jesus is in control do you believe that everything is in his control or do you take over do you push your own agenda? Do you have a certain way you want things to look? And maybe you even justify it in spiritual terms as to why you should do what you want to do when in reality it's a lack of trust for Jesus and a complete confidence in the flesh. You know, I love what it says here in Jeremiah seventeen seven. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by stream. It does not fear when heat comes. It, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. 
do you believe that he is in control of everything? Now, that is, that is a hard concept. Because I don't know about you, but I love to feel in control. Right, I, I know exactly the amount of creamer that I want in my coffee. I know exactly how I like my sandwiches made. I know how I like to eat my food. I know what I like the weather like to be, what the driving conditions to be, how I like to be treated. I want to be in control. And so when it comes to the idea of trusting that he is in control of everything, that, that is, I feel like, a lifelong learning lesson. I never feel adequate enough in that. But I'm reminded of the times where I do put complete trust and confidence in Jesus. That I know he's in control and how it dramatically changes my life. For instance, when I became a Christian, I think up to, up to my young point in my life, I wanted to control everything. And I learned through scripture and through faith that man, putting my life in the hands of Jesus It's going to radically change my life, but it's so much better than anything I can come up with on my own, right? I think we have these moments in our life where it is hard to trust that he's in control. It's certainly way easier said than done. But I think when it comes to confidence, when it comes to being confident in something that will last, putting it in ourselves, being in control all on our own, pushing our agenda in life, pushing our agenda with other people, it never turns out how we hope. Similar to my weightlifting story, we end up getting crushed, right? The, the Things don't turn out the way we want to turn out. and they, they're, It's discouraging. It's, it can be depressing, right? But when, when your trust is that Jesus is in control of everything, it's like a lifting feeling, a freeing feeling, right? I'm sure there are tons of testimonies and even times in your life where you've looked at the difference between you being in control and letting God be in control and they're radically different. And so that's why my third and final question as to an indicator of where your confidence lies is, do you believe, regardless of the circumstance, do you believe everything is under his control? The circumstances in your life, when or or how something you want will happen, a job, when this pandemic will lift, your kids may be becoming more obedient or building a better relationship with them, whatever it may be, do you trust and have confidence that everything is under his control? You know, Jesus during the Last Supper Right? He gave his disciples instructions to eat the bread and drink the wine in remembrance of him. Right, And then after Jesus died and was resurrected, saw them again, then ascended to heaven, these men went on in complete and utter confidence of Christ to, to change the world, flipped everything upside down. But I can't help but think it wasn't always like that for the disciples. Right, I, I, I wonder about the times where they're, their faith, their confidence in Christ was hindered. It, it, it was hard to value Christ above everything else, where it was difficult to follow and trust the influence of Christ and be more pulled by the ones of the world, where it was a lot easier to take control of things in their own life rather than trusting that Christ had everything under control. There had to be moments like that. I'm sure there were, more, more, more often than we may think. The disciples probably dealt with that a lot. But then they would have followed Jesus' instructions to remember. To, in their communion with each other, to remember his life, his death, and his resurrection. And I, I believe that that is what restored their confidence in Christ on a day-to-day basis. The remembrance of Jesus' life 
how he impacted people, how he treated them, how he loved them. His death, that they witnessed Jesus just be killed as an innocent man and then the way he went out and knowing that they, that he did it so that they would have a shot and ultimately his resurrection, right? Painting a new hope for these disciples, right? How, how much it increased their faith to see a man they saw killed back to life. Incredible. It, it, it probably restored and, and rejuvenated so much of their confidence in those times where it would have been easier to value other things, to, to be influenced by other people and to trust uh, other things in control. Remembering Christ restored their confidence. And what's awesome is I believe it does the same thing for us today. So when we have communion, spending time remembering the life, death, and resurrection of Christ I, I think it should rejuvenate our confidence in Christ. It should inspire our confidence in Christ. I think sometimes communion can be spent focusing on all the reasons why you're bad and how Jesus forgives you for all those things. Now, there is there is obviously forgiveness of sin and, and all that is in the crucifixion and the remembrance of Christ. But if anything, this should inspire you to be completely confident in Christ, remembering his life, remembering his death, and remembering his resurrection. It's a reminder that you're not defined by your failed strength, by the things in life that have crushed you, right? It's a reminder that you are no longer defined by the evil that you once tried to find confidence in. And it's a reminder that our failed confidence in our life isn't the narrative of our life, but that Christ dictates our story now. As we take communion here together this morning, I want you to consider these three questions. Do you view knowing Christ as the most valuable thing in your life? Do you keep your eyes on those whose confidence is in Christ? And do you trust that everything is under his control? To take confidence in Christ, especially in times of uncertainty, trial, and opposition, is undoubtedly the route to finding peace under pressure. Amen. Let's pray and then take communion here this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again so much for this time. God, I, I so badly want to be completely confident in Christ and rid myself of confident the confidence in my flesh. I think... For me, God, one thing I struggle with the most is when things aren't in my control. I, I want to regain control. I want to, to determine things in my life and, 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 and really trust everything about myself. But I've, I've witnessed that just crush me in my life. God, as I pray, I pray that as we reflect and remember the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, that there is a, an instilling of confidence that, man, Jesus proved he is who he said he is. He brought life. He brought hope. He brought purpose for all of us. And it's because of that we can have complete and other confidence in him. I want to pray for our world, our, our church, our communities during this time. God, that they can find confidence in Christ as well. Because I feel like that's the only answer right now. It's not a political plan or, or, or a, a four-step program to reopen everything. That stuff might help. But, but really what's most important is we find our purpose, our confidence in Christ. Thank you for this time. Thank you for sacrificing your son so that we can have this confidence. And it's that, that's why we pray in his name. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great Sunday.